Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. There's something magical about unboxing. When you unbox BritBox, you uncover a world of British entertainment. Stream the UK's most brilliant series, including new and upcoming seasons of Shetland, Father Brown and Death in Paradise. Plus new originals like Payback, Irving Welsh's Crime and Archie, the story of Hollywood's greatest leading man, Cary Grant. Unbox BritBox and escape to the best of British TV. Stream with a free trial at BritBox.com. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Welcome to The Bad Broadcast. I'm your host, Maddie Murphy. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to a new episode of The Bad Broadcast. My name is Maddie, and I'm your host, And I hope you're having a very, very lovely Monday. All right. Before we start today's topic, I just I have to ask you guys, have you guys watched the new documentary on Hulu called The Deep End? It's about Teal Swan. If you haven't seen it yet, please go watch it. And if you have seen it, you know why I am bursting with thoughts about it. So if you haven't seen it, Teal Swan is like this energy healer, worker, shaman, businesswoman person. I guess is how you would describe her. And she goes around and she does these like seminars and retreats and things to help you heal from all of your suffering and all of your past trauma. But basically what the documentary goes over is how it's pretty much a cult. And I watched Teal's Instagram story yesterday. So today is June. Let's see. What's the date today? Today is June 14th. And I watched her Instagram story yesterday where she is starting a petition to get the movie, like the production company to release the raw footage because she is saying that the documentary is completely edited and it makes her look way worse. And she's shocked at how she's being perceived and blah, 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 blah. Um, I don't, I don't think that the raw footage could be much better than what we saw in the documentary. Also, a lot of people have had a lot of experience experiences with Teal Swan and with people who are close to her that do make it seem like it's kind of a cult. I'm not saying it is a cult. I'm saying it's it's knocking on the door of a cult. But um, yeah, it's it's pretty it's pretty insane. And it makes me really mad because spirituality is such a such a gorgeous part of life to explore your spirituality and find your path and what works for you and what makes you the most happy. It's one of the like hardest and greatest things you can ever do. And when somebody like Teal Swan, first of all, manipulates people's journeys and suffering and trauma and all of that when they manipulate that into a way to make a ton of money, that's when I don't believe you that you're like super spiritual and enlightened. Like Teal Swan's whole thing is basically, well, she makes, yeah, she makes all this money, but then like everything she says is just basically about how horrible life is and how it's all about suffering and how like she's here to just show people their suffering and how life is harder than we think it is. And there's all these obstacles and how she is like the conduit 
to spirituality and you have to pay her in order to fully practice your spirituality. And I just want to say, just as a blanket statement, I can pretty confidently say this. If somebody is demanding your money, not like, not like asking you to pay for a service. Like I have gone to energy healers before and I of course pay them for their services. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about if they demand that you pay them large sums of money in order to work through your trauma or like find your spiritual self, your higher self, whatever, whatever language they use. When they start demanding that, uh, run away, run away immediately. And also when people say they're enlightened and then they find out that the purpose of life is like really horrible and not happy and not about loving each other and, and finding joy. Well, like, I don't believe you because I think that the whole point of spirituality is to find like happiness and peace. So Teal Swan is just, I don't know. I, I have no words, but she does live in Utah. So there's a chance I could like run into her at Target sometime. I don't know if that's true. I think she lives in like a compound in Northern Utah, but she literally talks about how she won't be happy until she marries a multi-billionaire. Like that's how much money she needs to sustain her life, which just, it just feels wrong. Just feels wrong. It seems like the, the really enlightened people that we like learn about and read about, seems like those people were like, you know what I don't need? Anything material. I don't need any more money. So I don't believe when people reach that point and then they're like, you know what I need? More money. You know what I need? I need multi. I need to be a multi-billionaire. Like that doesn't feel like spirituality to me. Anything that's focused around money. You can usually just follow the money. Matt says that all the time. Just follow the money in an organization. You can usually uh, tell what the motive is. And with Teal Swan, it's not looking great. So yeah, go give that a watch if you haven't. Go give that a watch. It's it's a good one. There's also that new, I'm just like chatting about things that I've watched lately, but there's that new FLDS documentary on Netflix. You guys have asked me about it. I'm not going to like do a review or anything, but I did watch it. It's hard to watch. Uh, I think it's called Keep Keep Sweet, Keep Sweet, Pray and Obey. It's really, it's really hard to watch. I, I actually didn't finish it. But um, if you're interested in learning about fundamentalist Latter-day Saints, that is a good, that is a good documentary. There's a few other ones, but we've been watching that. I'm trying to, trying to think of what else is new in my life. Got a Brazilian wax this morning. It took her six minutes, six minutes. I was like, what, what, like, what witch did you make a deal with so that you could wax my grundle this quickly? It was crazy. Uh, those are pretty much all the personal updates that I have for you guys. <laughs> now it's time to get into our topic for today. And this is one of my favorite topics. I know I say that about every topic, but I really do mean it. This is in my top three. And today's, today's topic is another round of am I the asshole? And I want to say right up top, right up top, I'm going to be saying the word asshole a lot. So if you're in your feelings about that word, um, I'll catch you next week. I get a, I, it doesn't happen often, but every now and again, I get a, I get a DM or just like a, a casual email that says, will you stop swearing in your episodes? And here's what I have to say to that. Um, no, no, I won't. Uh, mainly because I keep my episodes like pretty clean. <laughs> like, I feel like my episodes are, are one of, I feel like this is one of the cleaner, cleaner, uh, podcasts out there. I don't try and overly, overly use swear words, but I also am just going to talk how I want to talk. But yes, like I said, this is, this is one of my favorite topics. I believe it originated from the subreddit with the same name. Am I the asshole? And 
I, I mean, I never saw it before I saw it on Reddit. So I'm pretty sure that's where it's from. But basically, you guys submit to me the situations you're going through that you could possibly be in the wrong for. But I'm going to give you a definitive answer. And I feel like last time we did this, I went a little easy on you guys when you were wrong. And I'm going to try and I'm going to try and up the up the sass for this episode, because if you are the asshole, I'm for sure going to let you know. I'm trying to think if there were any other announcements. That's it. I think that's it. So it's time to get into round two of Am I the Asshole? First up, she says, my three-year-old daughter has food sensitivities. So it's not as serious as allergies, but things like red food dye or high fructose corn syrup affect her behavior and sleep habits quite a lot. So here's the situation. When we plan get-togethers with friends or extended family where I know the kids, their typical kid snacks will be present, I always pack her own special snacks. Not really special, usually just the more organic versions of things so they don't include dyes and additives so that she doesn't feel left out when all the other kids have a bag of Cheetos in their hand. This is never an issue except when we're with my husband's family. Let's say we're boating, for example. They bring their kids snacks. I bring her her snacks. Every time they pull something out of their snack bag and they ask if she wants one, she says no. So I then pull out her snacks and then all of the other children immediately want hers instead. And I get that it seems novel to them because it's different, but unless I actively say no and literally physically guard them, they will eat all of her snacks, which sucks because then we're back to square one and she doesn't have anything available that she can comfortably eat. The problem is if I tell their kids no, even though I explain why the parents are so offended and think I'm so stuck up, their words that they have said behind my back to my in-laws. They say they're willing to share their snacks with me and I should do the same and that I'm rude and I think I'm better than them because I'm too good for their snacks. The thing is, I can't afford to provide snacks that are generally more expensive for four kids who are also generally animals. It had to be said. But does that mean I should just not bring anything for my own child since it causes this issue without fail every time? I feel so dumb that this is over snacks, but I genuinely don't know what to do. And it stresses me out anytime we have a family get together planned with them. Please tell me if I'm actually in the wrong here, like I have very much been made to feel. What is with adults? Because the thing is, is that yes, you're talking about snacks and you're talking about little kids. Why are the adults in this situation acting? the same as children do with their snacks. Like they're pouting that you won't share your snacks. I feel like that is something that nobody over the age of eight should pout about. Like you, like I think that you are absolutely in the right to bring your own snacks for your child who has sensitivities and you, you don't have to share them with anybody. And honestly, if they're not into that, then they should buy the more expensive ones so that everybody can have the same snack. You know what I mean? This brings up a very hot topic that I need to acknowledge (laughs) about food sensitivities and allergies, because a few weeks ago, we had a travel episode and I talked about how I got on a plane and the flight attendant said that nobody can eat any of their snacks because there's somebody on board with a nut allergy. So nobody was allowed to open any of the snacks that they brought because of this nut allergy. And I may have said that people with nut allergies should only road trip. And I got two of the meanest, most aggressive emails I've ever gotten. It's so weird because I feel like I'm pretty mild. I feel like I I don't, I mean, I don't use like a lot of curse words. I often don't talk about politics or religion. I just keep it very straight and narrow. Okay. So when I get flamed 
for something that is so obviously a joke, like so obviously I didn't have anybody else confused except these two people who literally thought I was saying that like people with tree nut allergies deserve to die. Like that's basically what they thought I was saying. It was so funny. It was so funny. I I think that if you have a nut allergy, I guess I should just clear this up. If you have a nut allergy, I will respect your nuts. Okay. I will, or lack thereof. I will not eat nuts in front of you. I do not want you to get sick or have your throat swell up. And I certainly don't want you to die. And I think that you deserve to fly freely in case anybody was confused. Uh, I just couldn't believe it. I couldn't believe it. And I put it on my Instagram story that obviously it was a joke, but I feel if there was anybody else out there who really thought I just hated people with tree nut allergies enough that I hope they die. Um, in case you did think I was that type of person, it's weird because I feel like if people would just put in just a couple minutes of, of critical thinking, just, just a couple minutes, people would feel a lot happier listening to comedy. If they would just put a couple minutes, like if you if you have been listening to the podcast or you've followed me on Instagram or you've met me or anything and you heard me say, you know what, people with tree nut allergies should only road trip and I'm going to eat my snacks in front of their face and I don't care what happens to them. If you heard me say that and you gave it like maybe one minute of thought, like, do I actually think that Maddie hopes that those people have a, you know, have their throat swell up and that they die on the plane and that they should? Do I actually think that? I feel like we would get a lot further. Just put 30 seconds in. Does this person actually think this? I would bet 100% of the time it's a no. It's a no. They don't actually think that people should be suffering just because I want to eat a Snickers on a plane. So there's your, there's your lesson for the day. Uh, give it a second thought before you email me the meanest thing I've ever read. Somebody, somebody emailed me. They were like, you're really shitty and ableist if you think that people with nut allergies should only road trip. And also if they should hurry and get their bag down. What? I do think people should hurry and get their bag down. Does that mean if people are struggling to get their bag down and they have a legitimate reason, does that mean that I think they're stupid and I hate them? Yes. No, I'm just kidding. Obviously not. Man, man, I am always mystified at the things I need to clarify. If I was up here saying really offensive things, I would understand. But when my most edgy joke is about peanuts, I feel like feel like we're doing okay. I feel like we're overreacting just a little bit. This episode of The Bad Broadcast is sponsored by Dipsy. Spring fever is in the air. It's time for a sexy, sexy spring. Whether it's a warm cup of coffee or just laying in the sunlight or listening to a sexy story, pleasure is all around us all the time. And with Dipsy, your sanctuary is waiting. So you can escape into a world where pleasure is your only priority. Dipsy is an app full of hundreds of short, sexy audio stories designed by women for women. They bring scenarios to life with immersive soundscapes and characters, no matter who you're into or what turns you on. You can find stories about that intriguing coworker or maybe like your hot yoga instructor. They even have stories designed specifically for your Zodiac sign. New content is released every week. So in between listening to your favorite stories again and again, you can always find something new to explore. Dipsy also has sleep stories, wellness sessions, and they now offer written stories. So it's your go-to place to spice up your me time, explore your fantasies, or heat things up with a partner. 
For listeners of The Bad Broadcast, Dipsy is offering an extended 30-day free trial when you go to dipsystories.com slash bad. That's 30 days of full access for free when you go to D-I-P-S-E-A stories.com slash bad. One more time, that's dipsystories.com slash bad. This episode of the podcast is brought to you by ShipStation. When you run a business, time is more precious than ever, and every misplaced moment feels like a missed opportunity, a lost chance to make your business better, or even just step away and recharge. ShipStation gives e-commerce sellers like you and me more time to do what they really love, unless what you really love is managing every single little detail of order fulfillment, in which case ShipStation is not for you. But if you're looking to make things a little easier, then I'm pretty sure this is for you. ShipStation automates time-sensitive shipping processes so you can get back to focusing on bigger things like developing new products, honing your marketing strategy, or interacting with customers. No wonder ShipStation is already trusted by over 100,000 sellers. I tell people all the time, if I can figure out how to run an e-commerce business and ship things, then you can too. But really, I'm not figuring it out. I'm just using ShipStation. All those manual shipping tasks are eating up your time and ShipStation is very good at those. So let ShipStation handle all your shipping and handling and get back to what you're good at. It works with all your storefronts, Amazon, eBay, Etsy, and more, and lets you automate all the manual work that goes into shipping. In fact, 98% of companies that use ShipStation for a year keep using it for as long as they're in business. It was the first thing I used for shipping and I will never go back. So it's time to let go of all those shipping tasks. ShipStation can do it better and faster. Sign up using the promo code BAD for a free 60-day trial today at ShipStation.com and start saving time with every shipment. That's two whole months of shipping made quick and painless. It's free to try. Just go to ShipStation.com, click on the microphone at the top of the page, and type in bad. ShipStation. Make ship happen. Hey friends, my name's Olivia Perez and I'm an entrepreneur, journalist, and the host of the Friend of a Friend podcast. Every Monday, I meet with some of today's youngest and brightest entrepreneurs to make space to tell their stories and shine a light on who I believe to be the next generation of luminaries. I'll interview up-and-comers and game changers from brand builders to personalities, activists, artists, and thought leaders from around the world. Each episode lets you be a fly on the wall during one of the greatest pep talks like a conversation between you and a friend or a friend of a friend. See you there. Let's go on to the next one. I guess I should put that up. Am I the asshole for saying that everybody with tree nut allergies should never fly and deserves to not breathe? (laughs) Am I the asshole? Okay. Anyway, let's go on to the next real submission. She says, I'm pregnant with our second baby, a girl. I, I got to say the majority of these submissions are all from like moms that are either dealing with other moms or they're trying to pr- protect their kid from something or they're dealing with their in-laws. And I just got to say, if anything you're doing is like to protect your kid, you're never going to be the asshole. Like there's nothing in my brain that would make you the asshole if your genuine goal is to just keep your kid safe. So people are like, I don't want my kid, you know, like this snack one. I don't want my kid eating snacks that make her sick. Am I the asshole? Of course not. Of course not. Okay, let's go on to the next submission. She says, 
I'm pregnant with our second baby, a girl. And with our first, we didn't tell anyone the name we chose until she was born. We're planning to do the same for this baby. My in-laws in particular like to come up with name ideas for us to use. I shut down every single one, even if it's a good name. And at this point, I don't use the names they suggest on principle. Am I the asshole for hating every name suggestion and shutting them down every time? No, because first of all, nobody should get to name the baby except the mother. Notice how I didn't say parents. I don't even think parents should choose the name. I think whoever pushed the baby out of the body gets to name it. And yes, that includes grandparents. You don't get a say. You don't get a say. You don't get to decide. You don't get to decide. You actually already did because you already gave birth to children and you already named them. So you don't actually get to name somebody else's kid. And here's the thing. I roast a lot of baby names, like a lot. Like I, I like very few baby names. Um, but if you love your baby name, then you should use it and you should never let anybody decide for you if a baby name is cool or not, unless it's me, then you should always listen to my video. (laughs) I'm joking. Please always name your baby, whatever you want to live your best life. Guys, never let me change your mind. I'm just here to just shout off opinions. Does it actually matter what I think? No, it never will. Okay, next. She says, I live in a three bedroom, two bathroom house that is not exactly the most spacious. We live states away from my in-laws and we just had a baby. They are planning a trip to come stay with us for two weeks. This in and of itself is a lot. Considering I'll have to uproot my three month old daughter from her bedroom so my brother-in-law and his wife and child can stay in there and our guest room slash my husband's office will be commandeered by my in-laws and my 16 year old sister-in-law. Six guests. Plus, our family of three makes it nine people in our tiny house. I'm stressed already. But then my mother-in-law calls me and asks my husband or calls and asks my husband if his little sister can bring her dog. I said, no, I'm allergic to dogs. We have a new baby. And the thing is a little yapper who drives me nuts. So I said, no, flat out, no mercy. His sister texts my husband all these solutions so she can still bring her dog. Apparently, he's an emotional support animal, even though she's not diagnosed with anything. And she begged him to let her keep the dog in the basement. She said that the, their parents couldn't afford to kennel the dog. They said they didn't trust anybody to come dog sit. But I remained firm. No dog. My husband sided with me, but he did say he thinks I'm overreacting. I think they are the ones being rude. When you buy a pet, you assume responsibility of it when you travel. No, it's not my problem. They can't afford to kennel the dog and would have a hard time finding a pet sitter. Maybe I am being the asshole, but this has been such a pressure point in my marriage and I'm extremely annoyed at my in-laws for pushing this issue so much. I don't know. You guys, I'm about to say this is maybe this is maybe controversial. I I don't know. I'm going to be honest with you. I don't know if this is controversial. I don't think like anyone should ever stay at someone's house unless it's only one person. Like your family should never stay at somebody's house. Like, I I don't know. Like I would never, if I, if it was just me and Matt, maybe like if somebody offered and they had like room for us, then maybe. Um, but also I feel like if you have kids, if there's multiple people, if it's a small space, like, I just think that that's, I think don't stay with them. I don't know. So I don't even think that the asshole move is wanting to bring the dog. I think we hit the asshole move like way before that when they said, hey, six of us are going to come stay at your house. I, I don't know. I, I feel weird about people who just, I don't know, move their whole family into somebody's house for like a week. It just seems like if you're going to want to travel with that many people, you should plan on getting a hotel room and not imposing on a guest. So yeah, I don't, I don't think you're the asshole. I don't even think you're overreacting. Literally, just the fact that they're coming to stay with you sends me into a blind rage. So the fact that they're also wanting to bring a dog who barks all the time, I bet it's small and white and has crusty eyes and is named Bella. 
And I'm one to talk because I literally had that exact same dog named not Bella, but we did name her Belle. And she was a crusty eyed yapper. So no hate, no shade. I'm just saying that those are typically the yappiest dogs. Okay. Next one. Another dog, another dog themed one. How exciting. She says, I got a puppy recently and I was texting a friend about the dog and she asked if I, or she asked the name. So I told her 24 hours later, I get a text from her asking if we were set on the name because she'd always wanted to use it for her future child. She asked us to change our puppy's name. She's not even pregnant. When I told her we aren't changing it, she went into a frenzy about it, texting long paragraphs of why the name meant so much to her. Am I the asshole for being annoyed? She even asked that. No one is going to confuse a dog with her future child. I have something that I need. I need all of you to just really absorb because I mean, I'm in my late 20s. I have a lot of friends who are either having kids or married and planning on kids and thinking about baby names and blah, 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 all of that. So I need all of us to just really internalize this because it's kind of a good news, bad news situation. Um, the bad news is that you don't own any baby name, not, not one, even if you already have a baby name that you don't own that name. Um, the good news is that nobody else does either. So like, I mean, as I think it's weird if like your best friend is having a baby at the same time as you and she steals your name and like your kids are going to know each other. Like that's probably a little much. Um, But if like you haven't had a baby or you're not pregnant and like you just like a name and somebody else used it for something, they don't own it. So you can use it, but also you don't own it. So they can use it too. Everybody just needs to take a big old chill pill about like staking their claim on baby names. Um, It's fine. If somebody, if somebody near you has a baby name, the same thing, it's fine. Again, if you are best friends with them or like cousins with or your kids are going to be cousins. Yeah. Maybe avoid using the same name. If they're just, if you just casually know them, if they have a dog named that, you know how many dogs I know named Murphy before I knew that I was going to keep my last name. I always wanted to name my kid Murphy. Um, and everybody's dog is named Murphy. Literally. I bet at least 50 of you listening have had a dog named Murphy or currently have one. And guess what? Doesn't stop me. The only thing stopping me is the fact that their name would be Murphy Murphy. I can't decide if my kids are going to take my last name. Matt and I talk about this a lot. I think probably mainly just because I like the way my last name sounds with the names that I like for a kid, you know? And I also just think like last names are kind of, um, they're just kind of irrelevant and dumb. We act like they're this big deal. We act like it's a huge deal when a girl doesn't want to take her husband's last name. Why? Literally why? Who cares? Who would ever care about somebody's last name? It's like the most inconsequential thing ever. So I say that sometimes. I'm like, yeah, I think my kids will probably take my last name and they lose their mind. I always just want to say, I'm not making you name your kid my last, give your kid my last name. Like you can do whatever you want, but my kids, I like the last name Murphy. Okay. Let's go on to the next story. I'm getting real sidetracked this episode, getting really, really chatty. Okay. Next one. She says, one of my friends is an exaggerator. Every story he tells is slightly fabricated in some aspect. If he got chased by a small dog, he'll tell everyone it was a Great Dane. And most of the time, the things he exaggerates aren't even that important to the story. It's almost just to sound a tiny bit cooler. Well, me and this friend are super close. So 90% of the time I'll be present for the real experience or at least have heard the normal version first. When we were in high school and with our friends, if he started to tell a story and then started to exaggerate, 
I would correct him in front of the group. I would do this for every single detail that he was making up. I'd be like, oh no, that's not true. It was actually this. Or wait, you told me yesterday it was this. And he would get so flustered and try to save the story being like, oh right, whatever, anyway. And tried to, or he would try and correct me to which I'd continue fighting it. But boy, did it make me feel good. For some reason, I can't stand when people exaggerate. And if I know the truth, nine times out of 10, all corrected. In front of a group or not, why lie when the story is perfectly good to tell as is? Anyway, to this day, this friend calls me out for what I did because they were so embarrassed. Am I the asshole here? Okay, I actually do think you're the asshole. I really do. Mainly because of this line right here. The things he exaggerates aren't even important to the story. It's almost just to sound a little bit cooler. I feel like the best friends that you can have are ones who just back up your slight exaggerations. Maybe, okay, I should put this disclaimer. I could be totally wrong, but I feel like when one of my best friends is like telling a story and she like adds in a detail to just make it seem like more crazy and it doesn't matter and it's not hurting anybody, I feel like I would just let her roll with it. And back her up and be like, yeah, that did happen because who cares? Like, I get it that you can't stand when people exaggerate, but I feel like this is kind of something that doesn't matter at all. And you should just let them do it. Like, I feel like if I was telling a story and I was getting exact because I exaggerate some of my stories, you know, like I just got a Brazilian wax and I said it was six minutes. It was probably 15. It's probably 15, but it was still really fast. So I'm going to say she did it in six minutes because I like the way the story sounds better. And I know that my best friends and Matt are going to back me up on that, even if they know it's a lie. So if it's something important, for sure, correct them. If it's just like, hey, I got chased by a dog and it was humongous and it was actually my dog, Belle, (laughs) my crusty, uh, crusty eyed white dog, like just let them live. I don't know. So I, I do think that's kind of asshole behavior to call your friend out on a thing that doesn't really matter. But let me know if I'm wrong. Maybe we should put all of these up to the audience and you guys should decide. This episode of the podcast is brought to you by Babbel. For most of us, quote unquote, learning a second language in high school or college wasn't exactly a high point in our academic careers. I took French in seventh grade and I only remember how to say library and eraser. I did take German in high school and I remember how to say nothing. So now thanks to Babbel, the language learning app that sold more than 10 million subscriptions, there's an addictively fun and easy way to learn a new language. Whether you'll be traveling abroad, connecting deeper with family, or you just have some free time, Babbel teaches bite-sized language lessons that you'll actually use in the real world. I chose French because I have obviously a very sturdy background in it, and we're going to Paris later this year. So I want to be able to, you know, get around. We always just turn it on in the car when we've got a long drive and Matt and I learn French together. It's amazing. Babbel's 15 minute lessons make it the perfect way to learn a new language on the go. Other language learning apps use AI for their lesson plans, but Babbel lessons were created by over 100 language experts. Plus Babbel's speech recognition technology helps you improve your pronunciation and accent. There are so many ways to learn with Babbel. In addition to the lessons, you can access podcasts, games, videos, stories, and even live classes. Plus, it comes with a 20-day money-back guarantee. So start your new language journey today with Babbel. Right now, you can save up to 60% off of your subscription when you go to babbel.com slash bad. That's babbel, B-A-B-B-E-L.com slash bad for up to 60% off of your subscription. Babbel, language for life. And now a word from our sponsor, BetterHelp. What is burnout? 
kind of a buzzword. We kind of throw it around. But what does it really mean to feel burned out? I think it can affect everybody differently. I think there's a lot of symptoms like lack of motivation, irritability, and fatigue. But sometimes when I felt burned out, I feel like I'm just running on a motor because I'm trying to make up for the things that I don't feel like doing. So I tell myself I actually have to do more, which, spoiler alert, not great for burnout to just push yourself as hard as possible. No, the best thing you can do for burnout is take a little bit of time for yourself. We associate burnout with work, but that's not the only cause. Any of our roles in life can lead us to feeling burned out. BetterHelp Online Therapy wants to remind you to prioritize yourself. Talking with someone can help you figure out what's causing stress in your life, where it can be alleviated, and it can help you from feeling that burnout. I have been in therapy for, man, years, years at this point. And I think that it's just such a positive addition to people's lives. I don't think it's a cure-all, but I think that everybody could use a healthy dose of therapy. You know, BetterHelp is customized online therapy that offers video, phone, and even live chat sessions with your therapist. So you don't even have to see anyone on camera if you don't want to. It's much more affordable than in-person therapy, and you can be matched with a therapist in under 48 hours. My listeners will get 10% off of their first month at BetterHelp.com dot com slash bad. That's better. H-E-L-P dot com slash bad. Okay, this one is a little bit longer and we have some screenshots to go along with this, some some texts that she sent me and I double checked. I emailed her back. I said, can I share the screenshots? Everybody's names are changed and blocked out and all of that. Um, but I just like love getting like, I think I love these am I the asshole submissions because I love feeling kind of in people's drama, but not not like dealing with it at all. Like I don't have to do anything except just slightly observe your drama. That's what I love. That's the kind of drama that I want in my life. At this point in time, I can't have any friends who are into real drama. I don't want anybody messy. I don't want anybody who's gonna bring anything but just immaculate vibes all the time. So I like knowing about your drama because then I can get my fill and move on. (laughs) Okay, next she says, all right, Maddie, truly love your podcast and respect your opinion. And I need to know if I'm the asshole. I'll start with a little bit of backstory. My best friend, my best, best friend all growing up, we'll call her Ashley, kind of dated this boy in high school. We'll call him Hector. I love seeing what you guys name your characters. Hector, Hector Zeroni. All right. Anyway, and when I say kind of dated, I mean, they kissed once and barely spoke. I was her best friend and barely knew anything about him. Fast forward a few years. At this point in time, me and Ashley are still close, but we've had different college experiences and I'm pretty close with my roommates. Hector and his friends move into the apartment building next to mine and we all start hanging out a lot. Ashley is invited most times, but we definitely saw them more than she did. I tell Hector's roommates to tell Hector to take me on a date and he agrees and bam, there we are. Over the next few weeks, Hector and I continue going on dates and Ashley starts making comments about how she still has feelings for him and she's trying to date him all while she knows I'm crushing hard. She's also being a huge cock block whenever we're all together. She's bringing up old memories of what they did together in high school and all of that. Because of this, Hector goes on a rant to his friends about how annoying Ashley is being. One of his friends turns around and tells Ashley everything he said. Ashley then reaches out to me asking if I knew these things and I truly didn't and was just as shocked as she was to hear that Hector had called her a bitch. I tried to diffuse the situation and say he probably didn't mean it. Once I sent that text, Ashley didn't talk to me for nine months. There was very little communication and it was always me reaching out to her, but mostly when I tried to call her, she'd send it to voicemail. She also wouldn't respond to my texts or anything like that. In that time, Hector and I had gotten serious and we got engaged. 
This is when I first heard from Ashley and she said, congrats, I'm really happy for you. We scheduled to meet up and talk things through. It was a long emotional conversation, but by then I realized why she had stopped talking to me. She said I should not have stood up for Hector, who's my now husband, and should have taken her side. She also told me I should not have started dating him because of girl code. So I need to know if I was an asshole for even going on a date with him or if she is for making it about her because truthfully, I don't know. I mean, I'm going to be honest. Oh, wait, the the um, the screenshots. I forgot to read these to you, right? you guys. Okay, so the first one says, so Ashley texts our submitter. What should we name you? I'll name you uh, Mary Kate and Ashley. So Ashley texts Mary Kate and says, did you know that Hector straight up doesn't like me as a person? Mary Kate says, whoa, 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 what? Where did you learn this information? She says the name of the person who told her. Is that what he told you last night? Yeah, today. Don't tell anyone that though. I don't want it to be a big deal, but did you know? Mary Kate says, maybe he took it out of context. I'm sure Hector doesn't straight up hate you. Or maybe he was annoyed and ranting and he said he doesn't like you, but meant more than a friend. I don't know. I feel like there's some other explanation. And Ashley says, no, dude. Hold on. Going to the next one. He said, I'm a bitch. And he doesn't even know if he even liked me in high school or if he just thought he did because all his friends did. Mary Kate says, I don't even know what to say. Maybe he was just heated in the moment. That doesn't seem like him. Ashley says, I've heard it from more than just him. It is what it is. Either way, I'm kind of done with the whole thing. Like, I'm not going to be around when you guys all hang out. I don't want to intrude. Mary Kate says, I'm sorry that you got put in that situation. Those are not nice things to say. And we both know that he's a nice guy. And I'm sure he just wasn't thinking and was ranting. But either way, I understand where you're coming from. And I'm sorry. Okay, so then it looks like Mary Kate tried to call her and Ashley didn't answer. Mary Kate then says, all right, if you're not going to let me ask questions, then I'll just explain what I know. I'm sorry that your feelings got hurt. Hector shouldn't have said those things and they shouldn't have passed them along to you. And on the me and Hector topic, I don't want a boy to come in between us. We've been friends for way too long. I was under the impression that you were okay with it after our talk. And I totally understand the being okay with it and still feeling weird. That's how I was with some couple that she blocked out. You know that. So if that's where you are, I get it. I needed some time to process. So I'll give you that. You're still my best friend and I'll be here whenever you're ready. I love you. And she says, yeah, I'm still kind of upset about the situation. I'm going to need some time. And that, I guess, is when they stopped talking for nine months. So first up, I do think there was the dick move of the guy to say that about your best friend. Again, I know you married him. I'm sure he's lovely. Uh, the friend should not have told Ashley that. That's an asshole move. And then Ashley should not have reacted in that way. It seems like all of these asshole moves could have been avoided really early on had Ashley just discussed her feelings. Isn't that fascinating that the majority of life's issues could just be fixed with a little accountability, a little accountability for why you're feeling what you're feeling, initiating the hard conversations, all of that. So when people don't do that and then they act mad, like, well, why didn't you know that I was feeling this way? Or why didn't you know? Or why didn't you cater your behavior to my emotions that I didn't express to you? That's where things get dicey and assholey. So the bottom line is that whoever submitted the story, I think you're the last, the last asshole in the bunch. I feel like it kind of trickled down. I got to say, as, as a feminist, as a, as a woman supporting feminist, to me, girl code is kind of the opposite of feminism. It's kind of like putting women in a box where they should not be forced to act a certain way. Girl code was probably written by dudes. Let's be honest, because it basically says that you can't date, you know, whoever you want. You can't do whatever you want. You have to abide by these rules. And that is anti-feminist. 
I think girl code is anti-feminist. I don't want us to only do things because of these arbitrary rules. I think that women should be able to do whatever they want, feel empowered doing whatever they want. And I think that girl code interrupts that. What is girl code? I don't really know. I feel like we should maybe write it down, you know, send it, send it to legislation and have them put it into law. I don't really know what girl code is, but I feel like the main one is like, you can't date somebody if your friend has liked them in the past. And I don't think that's necessarily true. I think that we should all be mature enough to discuss our feelings about it. And then we can move on accordingly. I don't think that that should just be a blanket statement. So bottom line, Mary Kate, our submitter, not the asshole. Ashley, I would say 50. Hector, the other 50. Sorry, Hector, if you're listening to this. I just didn't think that was very nice of you. Okay, let's go on to the next one. She says, my husband looks neat and pulled together, but he is messy. I used to clean up after him, but then he'd get upset that he couldn't find anything. So our compromise is that I don't touch his side of the closet or his side of the bed. When piles accumulate elsewhere, I drop it into one of those areas. Two years ago, when I was feeling extra resentful about his piles of shit, I threw his wedding ring into the pile on his side of the closet. He, to this day, thinks he lost his wedding ring, and now it's been too long for me to tell him that it was me. He would find it if you ever cleaned up or organized the two small areas that I don't clean for him. But sometimes I know that I'm the asshole stooping to pettiness instead of communicating my feelings. But other times I feel 100% justified. Thoughts? Hmm. Interesting. Interesting conundrum. I would go, I, I honestly think I might go with the answer of NAH, no assholes here, because I feel like you guys are both doing equally assholey things. Like I feel like leaving messes around where like you obviously put effort into clean. And I feel like purposely leaving messes around or even worse, like getting bugged when you clean, not a great move. Throwing his wedding ring in and making him feel like he lost it. I feel like that's equal. I feel like those are equal like payback. <laughs> I never said that I would do the most honorable option. I only said that I would give my ruling. Um, okay, next one. Am I the asshole for going on a trip to Europe instead of my mom's wedding ceremony? My mom forgot to invite me until last minute and gave me four weeks notice and I live across the country from her. Backstory, I hadn't heard from my mom in a month or so and I texted her to see if she wanted to catch up. She texted me back and said, oh, we need to talk. So I called her later that day and she was like, what are you doing in June? It was May at the time and my boyfriend had just barely, my boyfriend and I had just barely booked a trip to Europe a few days prior. I told her about the exciting trip we have planned for the end of June and asked her why she wants to know what we're doing in June. She said she's getting married on the 21st, right during our trip. So I start panicking, trying to run the scenarios that might get me to her wedding. I tried to move our flight and other accommodations and couldn't. I tried to see if I could fly back to the West Coast early and find a flight that would get me there without missing most of the trip and leaving my boyfriend there for the rest by himself. My options were one, cancel and lose out on the entire trip and fly back to go to the wedding or spend two days in Europe and fly home early for $800 and leave my boyfriend to spend the rest of his trip by himself, or three, not attend the wedding and go on my trip. I chose number three, and I feel really bad about it. My mom was fine and understands, but the rest of my family is furious with me. My mom and her soon-to-be spouse are having the ceremony in June and having a reception party at an unspecified later date that I'm planning to attend, but I'll miss the ceremony. Am I the asshole? No. No, I would say you're not because first of all, it's weird that your mom didn't tell you until like you asked, basically. I feel like if somebody's planning a wedding and they really want to make sure everybody's there, they should tell people the date, like the tentative date while they're deciding. I feel like it's unrealistic to say, hey, here's the date we're getting married. Everybody has to make this work, especially when it's only four weeks away. If you tell me your wedding date is next year, I will clear my calendar. I will make sure that I'm there. No questions asked. 
four weeks in advance, especially for your mom, that feels real close. Also, you know, it sounds about a thousand times more fun than going to a wedding being in Europe. So I say go with the fun option. And also, what were you going to do? Lose that on the money? No. If your mom and you were talking every single day and you knew about this like three years ago, and then you happened to book a trip on the exact date that she told you years in advance that she was going to get married on. Yeah, I think you're the asshole. For this one? No. I don't think she is either, by the way. It sounds like your mom is actually cool. So I think we're going to have to slap another N-A-H on here. A little nah on here. No assholes here. Okay, next up. She says, one of my best friends is really insecure about her looks, even though she is very pretty. I understand being insecure about certain things because who isn't? However, her insecurity is to the point where she gets mad at me and our other friends if we ever dress up or put makeup on, even on vacation. She says that we should all wear jeans, and I feel really bad that she feels this way, but it's gotten to this point that she feels like we all look better than her, and I don't think that's fair to make us feel bad for getting ready and wearing what we want, especially out at a girl's night or on vacation. I will know, I know you will tell me the cold, hard truth. Love you, bestie. This is, this is just kind of a good rule of thumb for life. And I feel like I've honestly adopted this as kind of my, kind of my mantra. And it's, can I force this on somebody else? And I feel like the answer is no, basically all of the time. Can I force my insecurity on somebody? No, I can't. Can I force my stress on somebody? No. Can I force my beliefs on somebody? No, I can't force any part of myself on anybody and nobody else should feel that they can do that either. So yes, I understand that we all have our insecurities. We all have that, but making somebody else change the way they're moving through life just because of that, that is where the account, see you guys, I'm telling you accountability. When you can take accountability for your own feelings about something it doesn't become somebody else's fault or problem. That's when relationships start getting messy, when you expect other people to feel your emotions for you. That's like a big fat no. No, you can't do that. You can't force people to feel the way that you're feeling. So I don't think she's purposely being an asshole. I mean, for the sake of the game, yes, the asshole here is her, not you. I don't think that she's doing anything malicious. I think that that's maybe just an inner journey. Maybe that's, a, that's an inner journey for her. And that's something that friends can support her through. Do I think that you guys should never get ready and never put makeup on to help her through it? No, but I do think that there's a way to support her. So I don't think that you're in the wrong for being annoyed at this. I do think it's time to have that quick little convo though. Okay, next she says, last Monday morning, I invited a couple for dinner with my husband at our home for the next day. I did it through text because I'm in my 20s, not my 90s. And two, I'm not asking them on a date. This is relevant because I did not get an immediate response. I didn't get a response until Tuesday, the day the dinner was supposed to be at noon. I had gone shopping the day before and assumed that since they had been hours with no response, that they weren't interested or they were busy. So I didn't get any groceries for a dinner party. I told them, sorry, I wouldn't be able to do dinner anymore, but we could reschedule for another day. The girl I was texting just said, K, yikes, and followed up two hours later with, it's kind of rude to take back an invite. Ha ha. The passive aggression is off the charts, but I don't know. Do I deserve it? Am I the asshole for assuming the answer was no? Either way, the vibes were not there. And now I'm not interested in being friends, but I want to know if I should apologize or do I get to be smug in my moral superiority? Superiority. I think you get to be smug. I do. I think that you are not the asshole. And I think she kind of is. First of all, if you send the word K to somebody who's not like your mom or your husband or like your very best friend, big yikes. That is not appropriate. 
I have a I have a deep passion for letting people cancel plans. Like I think we just need to ease up with with how we make people feel when they cancel. People get so like up in a tizzy when you cancel. And I'm just so confused by that. Like, aren't you happy that your plans fell through? Like, aren't you happy that you don't have to do anything now? I now know that I just don't say yes to things that I don't want to go to because people always get mad at me when I cancel. I hate when adult friends make you feel bad when you have to cancel. Like sometimes I just don't feel like going deal with it. (laughs) So I just don't say yes, unless I absolutely for sure want to do it. But yeah, people who say things like it's kind of rude to take back an invite. It's like you didn't take back an invite. You rescheduled. It's not like you said, hey, I never want to hang out with you ever again. It's like, hey, can we just do it another time? So no, it's not you. Okay, let's go on to the next one. My husband is in a carpool group for work. It's an hour plus drive each way. Right now, there are three of them, including him. There's a girl in the group who wants to include her husband to join the carpool when he starts working at the company, which of course makes sense. However, she doesn't think that he should take a turn driving since they are married. They count as one person. My husband thinks he should take. (laughs) It's so stupid. My husband thinks that he should, that they should each take a turn in a day, turn slash day, because that is one less person who could be in the carpool. I agree with him, but are we being assholes? Obviously he wants to keep the peace, but also wants to keep things fair for everyone included. When you are married, you do not count as one person. Like, I'm so sorry, but that is not how that works. I feel like it's weird to assume that's like all going out to dinner and then both people eating and then being like, well, we're just going to pay for one meal because we're kind of just one person. It's like, no, if you ate two meals, you pay for both. If you're driving two people, like if like I just I feel like that's weird. And yeah, I get what she's saying here. Like somebody else could be in the carpool who would take a turn like it's taking up a space in the car for a really long commute. So, yeah, I do think that they both should also two incomes means two people who can pay for gas. I would understand if only one person was working, you could only afford gas for one person, but they're both going to work. So I know they're both employed. So you should both have to take a turn for gas money and for driving. Boom. That's my answer. Not the asshole. Okay, here we go. She says, am I the asshole for not forgiving my in-laws? My in-laws accused me of cheating on my husband with no motive, no proof, absolutely nothing. They straight up just don't like me. They told my husband that I was cheating on him and my husband had to come home and ask me if it was true. I was like, uh, what? After that, my husband then confronted them because what they did was messed up and then they wanted to apologize to me. Their apology was them saying, sorry, we went about it this way. We didn't believe it. We just wanted to make your husband aware. I'm like, aware of what? So anyway, this happened in October of 2021 and I haven't spoken a word to them since. My husband asks me constantly to forgive them, but this is something that I don't know if I can forgive. We literally almost got a divorce over it and I low-key have some trauma. Let me know if I'm in the wrong for not forgiving them. I mean, honestly, I think I'd go with no. I think I would go with no, you're not the asshole. I mean, I think never forgiving them is is strong, but like definitely having it change the way you see them for sure. I'm like, no, 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 don't be mad at them. Just like make them feel really bad every time you see them. Like, I'm not saying that. I'm not not saying that. I'm not saying that that's the worst possible option. It does feel pretty huge that they would accuse you of that. And it seems like it's very much coming between you and your husband. Anyway, I would say that you are not wrong for feeling upset about this. Do I think that there's a world where you could possibly forgive them? Yeah, if if there was a conversation that was had and they apologized. But definitely until that happens, I understand you not wanting to be around them and not wanting to talk to them. I also just like don't feel like it's making anybody's life easier. Not that I really care about your in-laws who started that, but it's also it's probably making your life harder. Like it's probably making you more anxious and giving you a worse experience with them. 
And that's the only thing I'm thinking about is like why it would be worth it to forgive them because it would maybe make you feel better. Maybe then you would be able to like enjoy it a little more, not forgiving them. I think there's a fine line between forgiving somebody because they deserve it and forgiving somebody because you deserve it. <laughs> like it, like, and you deserve to forgive them because you deserve to not feel horrible around them all the time. Sometimes you just gotta, you gotta forgive even when you don't get the apology because it's taken up too much of your brain space that could be filled with things that are happy. So that's my advice. I don't think you're an asshole and I definitely think your in-laws are assholes. Um, but I think you deserve to uh, be free. Okay, next one. She says, my now ex-fiance proposed to me right in front of his parents after I explicitly made it clear that I did not want anyone at the proposal so that we could have a special moment with the two of us. When I told him a few days later that it made me feel like my wants didn't matter to him, he told me I was being selfish and I should have been grateful that he put the time and money into the proposal. Am I the asshole? P.S. It only lasted a few more weeks with him. <laughs> No, because a solo proposal, that's how Matt did it. Matt, we, there was not, not a person to be found, not a camera, nothing around. And it was the only part of my entire wedding process that I liked. You already have to plan a wedding. There's so much stress coming your way. The one thing that the guy does all on his own should be stress free for you. You know what I'm saying? All right, let's go on to the next one. This one's kind of interesting. She says, my husband talks about trucks 100 times a day. I'm so bored of it. He thinks I should hype up his interests. I think he should ta start talking about something else. Am I the asshole? I might be. I, I first of all, don't think you are. I don't think you are. Um, I think that there should be, Matt and I talked about this in our, in our episode a little bit. There, you can celebrate people's interests and hobbies and especially your spouses. Like you can, you can hype them up without having to actually be interested in it. And I feel like he's asking you to be interested in trucks. And I mean, based on how you're saying this, it doesn't sound like that's in the question. It's like if somebody got me to be interested in trucks, that's the very, very last thing I would ever be into. I, I let me let me just think of things I'm more interested in than trucks. Um, dirt. I'd rather learn about dirt. I'd rather learn about like the history of calculus. Like there are so many things that sound way cooler than talking about trucks. So can you celebrate that he loves trucks? For sure. For sure. I don't think you're an asshole for being honest about what does not interest you. Okay. Last one. She says, man, oh man, I need help on this one. I don't think I'm the asshole, but my now ex-husband is, but he thought that I was the asshole. Please give me the closure that I need. This happened this past March. My then husband and I had been really struggling and we had been separated for a few weeks. I really wanted to work things out. He wasn't so sure. Randomly, he asked me out on a date for this coming Friday, for the coming Friday. I was so excited. I moved my already set plans around so I could go on this date with him. The plans I had were my brother performing in a talent show that I had planned on staying the whole time. I changed my plan so I was only there for when he performed at the beginning. I'd be out of there and home and ready by the time my husband came to pick me up. When Friday came, I was so excited. The entire day I was thinking of what I would wear and how I would do my hair. Literally so excited to finally be able to reconnect with my spouse. When that evening came, I asked him what time he would be picking me up. He told me he was planning on seven, but we could move it a little later if it worked better for me. I suggested 7.30. That way I didn't feel rushed when I got home to get ready for the date. He then said, how about eight? I agreed. He then out of the blue said, let's just do it tomorrow. Have a good night. I was super confused and kept texting him things like why, or I really want to go tonight. He responded with, I'll just see you tomorrow. I was heartbroken and confused. However, I still had his location on my phone. So I looked to see where he was and he was at the movie theater. I texted him pissed off and heartbroken, asking him why he would choose other plans over me. He then told me that I need to think before I do things because I hurt him when I made other plans a priority over our date. So me moving 
my plans around so I could be there for a date is worse than him completely bailing on our date because something better came up. I fart, fart. (laughs) I'm keeping that in. I fought hard on this, trying to tell him that it's not the same. But in the end, I was the bad guy who didn't make plans a priority. I know you'll agree with me on the fact that I'm not the asshole here, but cheers to extremely traumatic relationships that make you feel worthless. I'm now happily divorced. Love you and the podcast. Oh man. Yeah. I mean, of course, I mean, that's a, that's a for sure. You're not the asshole. I feel like anytime any of you guys have an ex, I automatically hate them automatically. And I know maybe that's part of girl code that I'm holding on to, but why do I just hate all of my friends' exes? I, I hate them on principle. Like it's on site anytime I see them. So yeah, I don't think you're the asshole. Anything you do to your ex-boyfriend, you're in the clear or ex-husband, you're in the clear. If you're listening to this, anything you do, I'll be like, yeah, that's absolutely appropriate. Like I, the older I get, the more crazy things I see girls do. I'm like, please keep going. Please do something even crazier. Like you stuck knives all over his lawn and you poured fake blood in his car. Yeah, that seems mild for what he did to you. You know, like I'm always going to support you trashing your exes anything. All right. That's all we have time for today. That's our that's our hour, guys. Time flies when you're having fun and talking shit. So I hope you guys all have a wonderful rest of your Monday or, of course, whatever day you're listening to this. Have a great week. I can't wait to see you next week. And remember to be safe, be kind, be hot. That's a weird saying that came accidentally out of this podcast. I didn't even mean to say it, but then I ended one podcast with it. And now it's basically my entire personality. Oh my gosh. I think we're coming up on my two-year anniversary of the podcast. Oh, nope. Shoot. Missed it. (laughs) Missed it by about two weeks. Dang it. We didn't even celebrate the two-year anniversary. Hmm. That's my bad, guys. That's, That's my bad. All right. So let's let's wrap it up here. Maybe next week I'll do a, a two-year celebration episode since I forgot. Uh, but I love you so much. Thank you for being here. Thank you for all of your subscribings and ratings and reviews. Um, if you haven't reviewed yet, please do. Please just tap five stars. It helps the podcast so much. Helps me know what you're liking. It helps me know uh, what you want to hear more of. It also helps people find the podcast. That is the best thing that you can do for me. I love you so much. I'll talk to you next week. Bye. Thanks so much for listening. Remember, you can catch a new episode of The Bad Broadcast every Monday. Don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss anything. Also, I want to hear from you. So please leave a rating and review. You can also follow me on Instagram at The Bad Broadcast for all the behind the scenes action and more information. Talk to you next week.